have been absolutely popping off with the release of the college football playoff. We are in the back half of the season, approaching that critical stretch where every single week now really matters and uh, influences the way that those in the Gaylord Texan vote. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Three Technique, a college football podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Mitch Mason, along with Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney. Glad to have you with us here, uh, wherever you may be listening. And guys, it has been a firestorm of media in the last couple of hours with the release of the the initial rankings, uh, hot takes flying galore. How how have you guys digested this? Because we immediately started talking about it. We released our our graphics and our specific personal rankings as well. I'm sure that's going to dictate the flow, but just initial impression, initial reaction, did the college football playoff committee get it right? And if not, where did they mess up? It's hard to say that they've got it wrong this early in the season because there's just so much still unknown, right? But for me personally, seeing Clemson in at number four was absolutely shocking. I know they're undefeated. I know they have several ranked wins so far this season but to me they're not one of the four best teams in the country right now and I know I've taken a little bit of heat on social media for putting TCU in at number four but to me we want to use a committee buzzword with the eyeball test TCU just looks a lot more impressive to me than Clemson and Michigan should certainly be ahead of Clemson as well so that's really my only gripe you know the order to me right now the order does not matter at all it's it's to make more attractive matchups on tv and it's to give people something to talk about putting tennessee at one deserved or not you can argue that i think it's deserved but um putting them at number one definitely generated conversation that's what that was about but come on is is clemson really we don't even know who clemson's quarterback is going to be we don't even know if they're going to have a solidified quarterback situation after this week in south bend so I can't put them at number four in the country if that's a huge question mark. Yeah, no, I, I for me, Clemson being number four is probably third or fourth on my list of mistakes. Guys, I'm feeling a little under the weather for today's episode, but it's not nearly as sick as I feel with the college football playoff for putting <laughs> Bama with one loss ahead of TCU. I put this out on Twitter, but they they barely beat Texas after trailing, right? They they. Barely beat Texas after trailing in that game. They they trailed to Tennessee by like 18 points at one point before eventually losing to Tennessee. They barely beat an A&M squad with, you know, infinity injuries on that team and just not having a very good year at all. But then they say that TCU was down in some games, and so that's why we didn't put them ahead of Bama. That made me absolutely sick. Also, I, when we talked about this off the front, I don't really get the pretense with Georgia being number three. Like they're not going to hop up to number one 
if they beat Tennessee this weekend. I don't really get that. I understand you're just putting them there for whatever reason, but you had a chance to have a one versus two and drive television ratings here. And I think probably just because they didn't want to seem SEC biased or whatever, they, they just put Georgia at number three. It kind of feels arbitrary. I get it. Ohio State's a pretty good team, pretty good brand. But I mean, this just kind of felt like the battle of the brands here. Yeah, and if the game was on ESPN at 6 o'clock on Saturday night, you bet your biscuits, Georgia's number two. But Absolutely. that's that's a whole nother discussion. I tried to warn you all that Alabama was going to be ranked ahead of TCU. You I, did. I tried to warn you all. Disgusted. And, yeah, I mean, I have TCU at four, so I, I'm right. not happy about that either. But, you know, clearly we're valuing undefeated teams until we don't. And... Of course, it's a college football playoff rankings reveal. So we're always going to have something to talk about, some inconsistency to talk about. No doubt. And and we'll, we're going to get into more of this with our question of the day. We've already started to answer it. But first, I want to make sure we get to the housekeeping because, guys, major announcement. We're on YouTube now. If you have been listening to Woo. us uh, over the last couple of months and joined us in this journey that we started back in, in May We've got to thank you guys. Uh, It's really through the support of of you guys on social media, obviously listening and downloading our podcast with each and every episode that comes out. Uh, It truly proved to us that we have a listenership that we sort of kind of are entertaining and know what what we're talking about. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have a great time doing this. So we decided to go ahead and form the video platform. We are on YouTube. If you go search the three technique on YouTube, you can find us. We'll also put the link out everywhere. So whether you go to our Twitter or Instagram, if you're listening to this uh, right now, uh, you can click on the the episode, just drop down into the details and the YouTube link will be there as well. Drop us a follow over there. That would really help us as we continue to grow and continue to push forward to create new content for you guys. Um, you know, really appreciate it. Of course, if you're not already following on our social media as well, at 3TechPod on Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, guys, really excited about all this. If you are watching on YouTube, no, I don't always drink during the podcast. That is not why I have takes, but of course. He's just saying that. I think the first time I've ever drank while podcasting is, of course, our first YouTube episode. And you could could stop whenever you want. You just choose not to. (laughs) There you go. And real quick thing on the YouTube. If you are watching on the YouTube, hit the like button, go ahead and subscribe, and then share this with a friend. Smash it. I was gonna say, I if we if we make smash the like button a thing like every other YouTuber <laughs> does, maybe maybe stop us now. But uh, you know, maybe we lean into it as well. But anyway, there you go. Thanks for your support. Glad to have you aboard, whichever platform that you're now listening, whether it's YouTube or Spotify. Uh, you guys really make our day when we see the the feedback, the comments, etc. So uh, with the housekeeping out of the way, big milestone. In the past, actually, guys, I think this is episode 59. We're getting ready to, to launch our 60th episode uh, next week, which will be week 10 recap. But the question of the day that we've already leaned into a little bit, was TCU hosed in the reveal, considering especially the committee's request for a, quote, balanced team? I want to read you the most stunning quote from Boo Corrigan, the CFP chair, when asked why TCU wasn't a balanced team, why Alabama was put, even though they have a loss, above TCU, Boo Corrigan answered, and I quote, they've gotten behind in games, end quote. Now, Garrett, you already rattled off a list of, 
um, non-impressive moments for Alabama, including a loss, which TCU does not currently experience. Trey, you you mentioned that this was an all-timer as far as a bad take. I'm in the camp that it's tough to to berate this committee because there's no possible way that they can get everything right. There's always going to be a statistical anomaly. There's always going to be something that the general public disagrees with. But that logic just so much doesn't compute in my brain that I, I just I had to sit back and laugh. Yeah, and if you've ever tried to put a top 25 together, it is a difficult task. So just putting in the human element, it, you got to do some mental gymnastics always to rank teams where you do. Sometimes the mental gymnastics is going to be a little bit more apparent than others. And this is one of them for me. I said, yeah, this is seems like every week we get just a weird off the wall quote, no matter who the commissioner of the college football playoff committee is. But yeah, this was an all timer for me just to say that with a straight face to have those mental gymnastics give that result. And listen, again, it is a difficult job to put together a top 25 poll. We forgot to rank Clemson in our preseason top 25. So of all people, did, did we, we though? but um, <laughs> listen, that, that, that was just funny. Like, and he's yeah. properly <laughs> getting roasted on Twitter. Yeah. That was an all timer for me. We've heard some great ones like uh, convincing wins. We've heard, uh, yeah. you know, all of it. We've heard it all in the 10 or so years that the college football playoff existed, but that was an all timer. See, I could understand quoting they trailed in some games, right? Getting behind in some games. I'd understand it if the other teams were just on that other elite level, right? Every single team in front of them has never trailed in a game. And so that's, you know, the 56th thing down your list where you say, oh, trails in a game. Well, I guess that's where we rank TCU behind them. They're undefeated. Yeah. They've played everyone that they've had in front of them. They cover most of the times. I think, you know, they obviously had the thrilling win against Oklahoma State in overtime. But other than that, they pretty much take care of their business, including stomping all over Oklahoma and then handling a lot of other good teams, handling a Kansas State team that just mm -hmm. rattled off one against Oklahoma State as well. I just kind of don't understand. Like, like if this was the exact same resume, but let's say that it said Texas Longhorns at the top or Oklahoma Sooners at the top, this team would be ranked number four. Because yeah. they would just get if the benefit higher. of the doubt from the brand. Yeah, if not higher. They would get the benefit of the doubt of the brand, but they say, oh, those guys, it's a first-year coach. Who even is Max Duggan? Like, that's disrespectful, okay? You're going to put some respect on Fort Worth's finest pretty soon college football playoff. Well, and I think according to the, the, the Coley ranking, which ranks a variety of different statistical points, right? Strength of schedule, margin of victory, etc., TCU could be considered the third-ranked team in the country, not just a top-four contender, but but even as far as, as three. So, yeah, I mean, to say they got behind in games and stop the sentence there, like, boo, they won those games, my guy. They You, you, you finished the story. You, you didn't finish the, the last chapter. They came back and won those games. So, yeah, that was who um, I... I'm sure immediately as he said that, he was like, ah, probably should have phrased that a little differently. But again, first first round of the rankings, most of this is sensationalized reality TV. Anyway, everything changes. You're going to have a different ranking next week, considering that Tennessee and Georgia play head-to-head -head this week, which I think is a great segue into our headliners, our game of the week, everybody's game of the week. Number one, Tennessee on the road at number three, Georgia between the hedges. 
where guys, the dogs are an eight point favorite. Saturday, CBS, 2.30 p.m. is where you can find this. Uh, eight points feels like a lot, regardless of how good you actually think Tennessee is. Eight points against the number one team in the country just doesn't really compute with my brain. If, if Alabama was undefeated in the number one team in the country, there's no way that Georgia is is favored by eight points here. So I'll turn it over to you guys first. Why, why do you think this spread is as large as it is? What does Vegas know or what are they implying? And then obviously, who do you who do you think comes out on top this week? Well, I think what Vegas knows is that Georgia is a really good football team. And Georgia is going to be the toughest test. I think when you combine the pressure of the situation, you know, entire state's hopes on your shoulders, a program that is rising from the ashes, the college football playoff aspirations, the number one ranking that Georgia probably feels like they should have um, as the defending national champions. You know, when you combine all of that together, plus the opponent, this is going to be the toughest test of Hendon Hooker's career to this point. And, you know, this game definitely has big LSU-Bama 2019 vibes to me, where you've got the upstart program with the quarterback that is just shattering records, talented wide receiver core, maybe a defense that hasn't shown its full potential yet, but they're coming into the traditional powers house. As about a touchdown dog, I looked it up. That LSU-Bama game in 2019, Bama was a six-and-a-half-point favorite going into that game, so very similar line. Lots of parallels here. Big opportunity for Tennessee. It's just a lot of pressure going into the house of the defending national champion. I've said it on the uh, show last week when we were uh, pulling out our top four. I feel like we forget just how dominant Georgia has been in some of these games, because they're kind of overshadowed by the flashiness of Tennessee. Now, do I think eight points is way too much in this game? Yeah, I do. I think Tennessee's offense is going to keep this one closer than eight points. I think we're going to have a game very similar to the uh, Alabama-Tennessee game from a couple weeks ago. Maybe not as uh, shootout heavy, but it's going to be a close back-and-forth game. So I'm taking Tennessee in the points, but I do think Georgia wins this one outright. Um, it was less than a calendar year ago that Georgia won against Tennessee 41 to 17 and held Tennessee to 55 rushing yards, guys. Like, that's not that far in our recent memory. I even saw some Georgia fans. Now, I don't agree with this, but they're comparing it to the Arkansas game last year where they think that they're just going <laughs> oh to heavens. have a top 10 team that has a lot of hype come into their house and just, you know, steamroll them with their defense. But, I don't think that happens. I do think Tennessee keeps it close, and it's fascinating to me that in this game, the two best units on the field are matching up with the Tennessee offense and the Georgia defense. And I don't know who you guys give the edge to there because I'm really struggling to see who the best unit on the field is. Um, But the two questionable units are matching up too, the Georgia offense and the Tennessee defense. And I think that one decides the game. Whoever, whichever one, the Georgia offense or the Tennessee defense, whichever one steps up more, will decide who ultimately wins this game outright. Yeah, looking at those numbers, you know, Tennessee has 49.4 points per game, which is first in the country. Georgia with a second ranked scoring defense, uh, giving up 10.5. That, you know, something's got to give, like you were saying. Something's got to give at some point. Um, I I do want to point out. I'm not entirely convinced that the Vols aren't the better team on a neutral field. And as much as Athens is one of the best venues in college football, I don't know that it's worth eight points. 
you know, this game's not nearly as high scoring as Tennessee is going to go against Bama. I, I think this one stays somewhere in the 40s realm. I don't think they quite break into the 50s here. Um, and, and it's it's not going to be that high scoring. But for me, this one comes down to the signal callers. I think Hendon Hooker is playing amongst the best in the nation right now in terms of just quarterback play. And Stetson Bennett's cooled off a little bit. I think that he's going to need to be able to come back out, do what he needs to do to keep the dogs in this one. Leaning on the run game, leaning on guys like Brock Bowers to make big plays. By the way, Brock Bowers is going to be a mismatch against this Tennessee defense. I don't think the Vols have an answer for him. And so I think you could see him get north of 10 targets in this game and actually be effective with all 10 of those targets where it's not actually forcing him the ball. Um, You know, I think they're going to run the ball great. I don't think that Tennessee is going to be able to completely hold them down, but I do think this one comes down to the quarterbacks ultimately. I don't think running the ball and trying to put together these long sustained drives is going to do it against Tennessee when they can jump back out on the field and score in a second. Um, That's just the kind of thing that deflates a crowd. I've talked about it in the past. If you want to deflate a crowd and take them out of game, blow people out, score really quickly, big plays, and just kind of take them out of it or you just sit on the ball. I think Tennessee is about to take a lot of the air out of the crowd for this one. Just come out, score 14, 21 points in the first quarter, and you know you make this one feel like a different type of game for Georgia. Um, just in terms of sheer points, I'm going to go ahead and take Tennessee to cover this one with a slight edge towards Georgia to win the game. But if Stetson Bennett's pedestrian again, and if he doesn't step it up, I think Tennessee probably picks up the road win. So I'm going to go ahead and take Tennessee plus eight, and I think Stetson Bennett is the key to all of this. I think Tennessee's got to score early and and make a statement to help take that crowd out of it. Now, you know, a lot of people have been saying, well, Tennessee did it against Bama, so why can't they do it against Georgia? If you remember back to that game and and remember what we've talked about all season, this Bama secondary has been uh, Swiss cheese. I mean, they have just not been reliable, especially in the deep passing game. Their safeties are not able to run with receivers like Jalen Hyatt, Plus, on top of that, you have Josh Heupel scheming guys like Hyatt open with switches, with different route trees that look very similar, that start out of the same formation. And a team like Alabama just was not able to consistently shut down that passing game. Georgia's secondary is far better than Alabama. Their their defense as a whole is much better than Alabama's. That being said... I worry about Georgia's ability to consistently pressure Hendon Hooker in in order to make mistakes. They won't have Nolan Smith for this game, one of their top edge rushers. He's probably done for the year. And you look back at the Bama game, and one thing that Tennessee did well against that pass rush was start to eliminate Will Anderson. So you're already telling me that you've got maybe your most electric pass rusher who's out for the year. How does Georgia adjust? What kind of schemes do they bring? I kind of think that Hinden Hooker, he might he might face the most pressure he has all year in the best secondary all year. That being said, though, I still think he outscores Stetson Bennett and what this Georgia offense can put on the field. So I'm going to take Tennessee plus the eight. If Tennessee's defense can truly stand up and play like they have the, the rest of this season, they will beat Georgia. I know it's a road game, but... I like Tennessee's offense to put up enough points to make Stetson Bennett uncomfortable, maybe have to force the ball down the field. We'll see. I'm I'm kind of riding with the Vols. I, I just, if they get blown out of this game, I'm going to be shocked because I'm going to feel like you discount everything we've watched 
up until this point in the season, I just refuse to believe that Tennessee's not actually a legitimate threat. Georgia's a very good football team, probably one and two with Tennessee or Ohio State, depending on how you see it. I like Tennessee in this one, though. I think it's it, it feels like 98, man. It's it's the team of destiny vibes, and, and there is something that you have to account for with that. Yeah, I'm I'm doing some quick math over here looking at the SP plus rankings and you know advanced analytics have their place and obviously emotion's gonna factor in a lot more. According to Bill Connolly, he thinks the spread is right about right on, even on a neutral field. If I'm doing my calculations right, it's about a six or seven point spread. So it's gonna be an interesting game. I I think Georgia's gonna pull away, and I really do think whichever one of those secondary units, the Georgia offense or the Tennessee defense steps up more. Yeah, um, that's going to decide your game. Your other big game in the SEC is number six Alabama on the road in Death Valley to take on number ten LSU. The Tide are thirteen and a half point favorites Saturday night on ESPN at six PM. Guys, this is a lot of points again for uh, an Alabama team that has not been the most impressive unit this season. I feel like Vegas is leaning into the fact that they expect Bama to have that rat poison mentality. They've been disrespected in the rankings, even though they've got a loss. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, pundits are, are talking about maybe cracks in the foundation for Alabama, that this is the end of the dynasty. I don't know that LSU has the wide receivers to score in bunches to beat the Tide, but at the same time, we've started to see Jaden Daniels throw the ball and throw it well, which is just something that we honestly hadn't seen a lot from in his career. So even though LSU doesn't necessarily have the dudes out wide to be game breakers, I do believe that with Bama's issues in the secondary, LSU can keep it inside of, let's call it 14, right? So I've got LSU maybe losing by 7 to 10, and it still feels like a competitive game. Give me the Tigers plus the 13 and a half. I do think Bama wins, but that's a lot of points. I'm with you, and I think this outcome in this game is fully going to depend on which LSU offense shows up. Now, for the past month or so, we've seen a very, very scary um, LSU offense with uh, Jalen Daniels running the show, actually throwing the ball and throwing it really well to some talented receivers. And so... If that offense that played Florida and Ole Miss shows up, this plus 13 and a half is free money to me. But Bama is really good, at least in the past, as making you know your lowest out- offensive output look like your norm against them. So if that uh, LSU offense that showed up against Auburn, showed up against Florida State, showed up a couple other times this year shows up, this could get really, really ugly quickly if Alabama has figured out some stuff on the defensive side of the ball. Now, that's another X factor to me, too, because this does not look like an Alabama defense to me. This seems way below Nick Saban's standard this year. And, you know, you can call out injuries, you can call it bad fits from the transfer portal, whatever you want to call it out. The bottom line is it just hasn't looked as elite as we're used to from Nick Saban's defense. So all that put together, I think LSU is going to keep this one close. I think uh, Bryce Young and the offense will do just enough against you know an LSU defense that hasn't been world beaters this year. They have a lot of athletes and talent, but it's going to be tough to keep those receivers in front of them and stop Jameer Gibbs. So give me Alabama to win the game, but I'll take the, another dog with LSU to cover. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go the other way from you guys on this one. Look, LSU's been really up and down this year. It seems like they're improving as a program the last couple weeks, but don't forget, we're not that far away from them just getting destroyed by Tennessee at their own place. I mean, I get it. It's Tennessee. That's what they're doing this year. But let's not pretend that didn't happen just a couple of games ago. So, you know, you've got that. That's what it is. That's out of the way. I think Jalen Daniels or Jaden Daniels, rather, his athleticism it's going to negate some of the pass rush issues, I think. But I think the pass rush almost plays into Bama's favor here because if he extends plays, flushes from the pocket, you start to kind of shift the play to one side of the field. And I think that's going to be good as far as, um, you know, kind of alleviating some pressure on the secondary, making them cover less room. They can all kind of shift which way. Um, and so I, I'm kind of thinking in this situation, the, the Bama secondary gets helped by the pass rush, forcing him out of the pocket and to extend some plays. Now, is he going to probably pick up a couple first downs with those legs that way? Yeah, probably. But I think if you're Bama, you're, you're going to live with that. On the flip side, you know, we've been talking about Bama maybe not being up to their standards typically. It's going to be a tall task for anyone to stop the Bama run game um, specifically in this offense. And I think the play action is going to end up biting LSU a few times in this game. Um, Bama's coming off one of their best performances two weeks ago against Mississippi State. They got a week to rest. I'm rolling with the tide on this one. This one feels like Bama's going to get it right. Bama minus 13 and a half. This feels like a good spot for me. I think Alabama's certainly in a spot where I think they need to make a statement more than LSU. I, I don't know that anybody's going to expect LSU, <clears throat> excuse me, LSU to win this game, right? And I don't know that anyone should. So LSU's kind of playing with house money. The pressure to me really does seem like it's on Alabama. And and now maybe that kind of uh, you know galvanizes Alabama to go out, defend that spread, to put a hurting on the Tigers. Maybe that pressure's too much for them. And, and maybe that allows them to, or allows LSU, I should say, to creep into upset territory. They are at home. It's a night game. The environment's going to be wild. Uh, that's going to be can't miss TV on Saturday night. Uh, our last headliner is in the Big 12. We go to number 24, Texas, on the road in Manhattan, Kansas. Number 13, Kansas State, Saturday, FS1, 6 p.m. Guys, I've taken two dogs in my picks in Tennessee and LSU to cover. I'm going to take a third straight. I'm going to take Kansas State here plus the two and a half. Texas is off a bye, but Kansas State also kind of had a bye week last week. And I know that's disrespectful to Oklahoma State, but they were able to put it in cruise control very early on in that football game. You think of the confidence that they must have built up. Now, could they be a little too confident rolling into this game? That's certainly something to consider. But Kansas State is healthy. They've gotten even healthier this week. And Will Howard really added a new element to that offense, right? Passing game's not been a dynamic threat. It was a week ago. Texas's secondary is not exactly world beaters. So if they have that downfield element plus Deuce Vaughn that Texas has to stack the box to defend, give me the home team. I think Kansas State plus two and a half is a smart bet here. Yeah, I really hope that Quinn learned how to complete more than 38% of his passes over the bye week because other than that, if, if that doesn't happen, the Longhorns are toast here. Um, I, I do think that Kansas State's the better team in most phases. But the reason I'm pausing to just go outright right now is because I think the quarterback position is the real swing for both teams, right? So starting on Kansas State side, was Will Howard lucky last week? Did he just kind of get lucky against a team who nobody was healthy 
And, you know, they didn't have a single DB that was anything. And, you know, he's just getting to kind of light it up against a team that's just reeling on the road, right? So is that more who he is? Or or is he the real deal who can lock up that starting job and say, hey, I'm going to be the new answer for, I mean, are we going to say an explosive offense in Manhattan, Kansas? Uh, That's a possibility, right? On the flip side, go over to Texas. Is Quinn Ewers more the guy that we saw when he was dicing up a bad OU defense? Or is he more the guy that we saw struggle with his touch and his accuracy against the Cyclones and the Cowboys? I'm not really sure at this point in the season, right? He's been pretty inconsistent. I know he's got it in him to go off and have a huge game. But it seems like there's something that's not quite there in the mentals that if you pressure him, he misses throws or, or you know forgets what his read is or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what the problem is. But I'm not sure which guy that we're talking about here. And since that's the case on both sides of the football, right, both for Kansas State and for Texas, I'm going to have to go with what I know. And what I do know is that Kansas State has shown me more ability to stay consistent on offense and to be able to lean on their guys when things aren't going well to be able to succeed, even if the quarterback play isn't wonderful. I just don't know if I trust Texas on the road yet, right? Their big dubs have come either at home or in Arlington, or I guess this would be in Fair Park in Dallas. Speaking of Arlington, though, I desperately want a purple out in Arlington in early December, so I'm going to go ahead and pick K-State to win this one. It is my dog, uh, my lucky dog of the week, K-State plus two and a half. I'm going to pick them to win this one outright. My darling goes ahead and goes up to their seventh win of of the year. Yeah, and you mentioned most of Texas big wins. I think all of Texas big wins in the Sark area era and definitely dating back to the Tom Herman era as well. When you looked at most of their big wins coming at home, Manhattan in particular has just been an absolute house of horrors for the Texas Longhorns dating back to Matt Brown. So combine all that together, everything you said, Garrett, you know, which quarterback is going to show that they are the answer for their team. And obviously it's going to, be more than this week especially for Quinn a guy that a lot of eggs are being put in his basket right now down in Austin but it's going to show which quarterback is ready to be that guy for their team so Will Howard looked awesome last week but you're right to point out that that's against a depleted defense for Oklahoma State and yeah Quinn just has to show a lot more consistency so I'm going to go with the more known offense I think right now and I think that's Kansas State I think Kansas State has the more known offense so both of them have weapons both of them are going to be devastating on the ground it might turn into a Bijan Robinson versus Deuce Vaughn referendum right and so that could be a really entertaining game that could be a game that's over in two and a half hours so I'm going to take uh it's probably going to turn into a track meet so I'm going to take the home team all the intangibles in addition to with just Texas really struggling in Manhattan. Don't think they get that monkey off their back just yet. Tell you what, we are big on the dogs in these uh, primetime slates. So congratulations to all the favorites that may, may inevitably walk, walk all over the home teams. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Those are our headliners. Again, games that we say schedule your day, your Saturday, your gourd picking. If you are late to the fall festivities, around that schedule. If not, if you've already got some of that done, here are some other games that you can go ahead and enjoy. Your main screen slate, let's start with the most surprising of the playoff uh, seeds so far. Number four, Clemson, three and a half point favorites. Heading to South Bend, Indiana, to take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You can watch this Saturday, NBC, 6.30 p.m. Uh, Notre Dame, guys, they, they showed a little gumption last week. I counted them out. I was... 
very, very much on the is Syracuse good train. Thought that the the orange at home, a house of horrors for a lot of lot of teams, uh, would would come out victorious. Instead, Notre Dame stopped the run. There is no passing game in Syracuse, and the offense under Drew Pine looked looked decent. Now, very different Clemson team coming in as far as star power goes, but statistically, Clemson and Syracuse actually have a lot of similarities. Very solid defense, not a dynamic quarterback uh, running the offense, and an offense that truly runs through a star running back. So my question to you guys, Clemson takes this show on the road. We don't fully know who the quarterback is going to be. They've had two weeks now to digest the Syracuse win, to prepare for the Fighting Irish. My gut would say that it's DJU who will get the start, but maybe there's a quick hook in South Bend. I I don't know that Notre Dame wins this game, but three and a half, man, that's calling my name. So I, I think I'm going to go with the Fighting Irish, but I'm very curious to see where you guys land on this. I'm right there with you, and I'm going to make Notre Dame my lucky dog of the week for the second week in a row. I, may, I called the upset in Syracuse, and quietly, Notre Dame is just starting to look really, really competent on both sides of the ball. They're not elite, especially not on offense, but they're competent. And I think that that combined with a borderline elite defense is going to be a lot of trouble for Clemson, especially if DJU... I think you're right, Mitch. I think DJU will get the start, and I think it will be a quick hook if things go sideways. But that's going to be a defense. We saw it with uh, Garrett Schrader last week. They can cause a lot of problems if you are not hitting your spots, if you're not um, right, ready to go from the word go. And that's been a problem for DJU his entire career since, ironically, he made his debut in South Bend a couple years ago. So I think the Notre Dame defense is going to cause a lot of problems. I think this quarterback controversy at Clemson, I don't know, of all the coaches to handle that, Dabo's handled that very well in the past, but... Yeah, I think we do see a torch pass this week, and I don't know that um, I don't know that we're quite ready on the Clemson side of the ball to make that happen and make that transition smooth. So, with all the unknown, I'm going to take the most known thing in this game, and I think that's the Notre Dame defense. Yeah, no, Notre Dame—they surprised me last week, and they've slowly been improving over this last part of the season. If you're ignoring the Stanford game, don't look, don't pay attention. Um, nothing to see behind the curtain. Uh, but you know, meanwhile, you know, we'll, we'll, give, got, him we'll give him that one. He'll give him that one. Uh, no, but like Clemson, so they're certainly in a great position nationally, obviously getting ranked number four, much to our confusion. Uh, but it feels like the program's a little bit shaky after several huge early season wins over teams that now maybe are proving to not be as good as we thought that they were. You know, the, they have a lot of questions in Clemson right now. Is DJU the answer at quarterback? Is he going to be able to bounce back and look like that guy who he was against Wake and NC State? Or are we going to see Cade back? And are we going to see if he can improve in time for the postseason, right? Get his development, get a few games in so that when they make the playoff, if they can make the playoff, you know, is he going to be the answer for them? Bigger question, if they can't figure that out, is the run game with Will Shipley going to be enough to win the conference without that high-level quarterback play, right? Because we're talking about a possible meetup with uh, North Carolina. The Tar Heels can score some points. I don't know that Will Shipley is going to get it done enough to win the conference even. Forget about the playoff for a second. They may not be able to get out of their own conference with with the championship if they can't find better quarterback play. There's a lot of questions over there. Is that possible for them? I doubt it. 
But I think we can keep answering those questions next week after they take care of Notre Dame. I think they're going to go ahead and take care of this game. I'm not really worried about this one. Notre Dame, they've been a little up and down. They've looked better. Not sure that they're where they need to be to be able to beat Clemson. I think they come out of the bye focused. And I'm going to go ahead and take Clemson minus three and a half to win this one and and push these problems off just another week. Trey, which would which would shock you more, that Clemson blows out Notre Dame or that Notre Dame just plays an A-plus ball game and wins by two to three scores? Ooh, so who's more likely to blow them out? blow the yeah. other team out. I would say Clemson's more likely to blow Notre Dame out. Like it, it would legitimately shock me if Notre Dame won by multiple scores. I think the recipe for winning this one is very similar to how Syracuse was trying to play against Clemson a couple weeks ago, where it's very sound on defense doing just enough on offense. And that almost worked for Syracuse. They were just <laughs> a couple plays away on offense, but I think that's the formula for Notre Dame, more shortening the game, trying to play keep away a little bit and playing really, really stout defense. So it would shock me if Notre Dame blew Clemson out, and it wouldn't shock me as much if Clemson came out and fired on all cylinders because we have seen that from DJU, but we just haven't seen it against a defense as good as Notre Dame, I don't think. I think if Notre Dame wins and wins big, it's because... Clemson turned the football over a couple of times and gave yeah. Notre Dame some short fields. Turned it over early, really- and Notre Dame's just able to kind of run the ball yeah. and run out the clock. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of kind of the Iowa form of success. I think that's what that what Notre Dame will need to to win this week. Um, let's stay in the ACC. Let's go to number twenty one Wake Forest and number twenty two NC State. They play Saturday night on the ACC Network. As far as I know, it is the main channel of the ACC Network. So. If that's wrong, take it up with with uh, with ESPN, not me. Wake Forest, four-and-a-half-point favorites after just a comedy of errors, guys, last week. And and you may be looking at our picks and thinking, surely there's got to be some sort of calculation, some sort of factor in the matrix that accounts for six turnovers in one quarter. And to you, loyal listener, I say... Wake minus four and a half is my stone cold lock of the week. Cue the sound. I mean, it can't possibly get any worse than it was last week, right? NC State's got a backup quarterback. I don't trust their offense. I cannot imagine Sam Hartman turning it over any more than he did last week. That was truly the worst case scenario. I think Wake Forest wins by 14 to 21, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I didn't lock this one up because I have another one saved for later. But yeah, it was a historically bad day for Wake Forest last week. And it's one that you just flush down the toilet, forget about it ever existed, and hope it doesn't show up on SportsCenter in a couple years as just a random stat. Remember that day game? And you don't see it on like this day in sports on Twitter or something. So yeah, Wake Forest it's way more likely that they show up and look like their normal selves, which doesn't turn the ball over eight times and six times in a quarter. So, and I also just want to point out that even with eight turnovers, if they didn't all turn into defensive scores or if multiple of them didn't turn into defensive scores, they might've still beaten Louisville last week. So that's enough for me to be confident to pick them minus four now. Yeah, and talk about a disappointing situation. This went from a game that we had circled preseason as a potential playoff game, right? 
This was a jockeying for position atop the ACC. You know, let's see if which team's going to rise up to to go and take on the ACC title. Talk about going from that to the ACC network. Just a bummer for both teams. The the season's been extremely forgettable on both sides. That said, I think Wake Forest is going to bounce back, only turn it over six times, and they're going to cover. So Wake Forest minus four and a half for me. You said it's on the main channel, Mitch, but we might need to check if Duke has a basketball scrimmage. Um, so. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Maybe maybe a track meet going on in Coral Gables, something, anything else uh, that could possibly take priority. Maybe UNC women's soccer. They're also elite. So sure. They could uh, all maybe- steal the main channel. Maybe we're celebrating Georgia, Georgia Tech's 220-point victory or whatever it was uh, 100 years ago. Something other than... Over Cumberland, yep. Live ACC football that seems to be the formula inside their HQ. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> back to the Big 12. This game, I tell you what, it, it's lost a little bit of its luster for me, and I'll tell you why in a second. Number 18, Oklahoma State. Two-point favorites on the road against the Kansas Jayhawks. Saturday, FS1, 2.30 p.m. Guys, Oklahoma State continues to be banged up, and it sounds like Spencer Sanders is going to be out. Um, I think we get a bowl eligibility party in Lawrence, so I'll take Kansas plus two. Yeah, no Spencer Sanders with a team that's just collapsing, right? Honestly, Spencer Sanders probably should have been out a couple of weeks ago and probably shouldn't have played the last few weeks, but... Neither here nor there. They're on the road in Kansas for, what, a second week in a row? Didn't go well last time. Uh, man, it's probably going to go better this time. You have to imagine 48-0 to zero is probably the floor for them in this situation. Um, but they, you know, they're playing a Kansas team that way over their expectations for the year. They've been sliding a little bit here, but they can just taste the bowl eligibility, right? They can just taste that trip to a bowl game. I think I'm going to have to go with the Jayhawks here. I like Jason Bean to play well and secure the W at home. Kansas plus two, this it kind of hurts to say, but you know Kansas plus two, let's go with it. Let's get to a let's get to a bowl game. Kansas was so exciting and such a great story the first five weeks of the season, but ever since Daniels went down, they're just so so scary to back because don't forget they're playing with a backup quarterback too. And Jason Bean looked really good in the second half of that TCU game, but since then it has been yeah not fun to watch if you're a Jayhawks fan. You're yeah. remembering why. He's not the starter anymore. So I'm going to roll with Oklahoma State minus two, even with a backup quarterback, even in an environment that I think is still going to be really good in Kansas. Uh, The bowl eligibility bus is really starting to worry me if you're a Jayhawks fan. So I'm a little worried that we're going to get there. But if they're going to get there, I think they get it this week. But I do think Oklahoma State wins this game, even with a backup quarterback. Don't, don't listen to him, Lawrence. Get ready to party. I know. I know. Listen, listen. Grease those light poles. Hide your wives. Hide your kids. Happy. Nothing I'm saying makes me happy, Mitch. I, I'm just trying to tell the people what I actually think. Isn't it, and I isn't think it, that Oklahoma State wins this game. Isn't Oklahoma State's quarterback Southpaw Gunner Gundy? Sure. I, I honestly don't know I who couldn't tell you. All I, I remember is he's the kid who had the shaky hand from the, the viral video this week. I think it's Gunnar Gundy, who's uh quarterback at Oklahoma State, which, you know, no offense to him, uh, not not Spencer Sanders, for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, gosh, it's, it's what, 12, 13 starters now? They're done for the year. I mean, you have literally yeah. had to replace over half of your depth chart at this point in the season, it's just, uh, you know, one one Oklahoma State fan, Austin, friend of the program, was texting me 
He said there's legitimately a case to be made that Oklahoma State loses out just because of because of injuries. And this is a, a, a very elite team, a legitimate title contender in the Big 12, a playoff contender if everyone's healthy. And I tell you what, the college football uh, powers that be have just not allowed that to be to be possible this year, which is which sucks. But, you know, uh, Kansas getting bowl eligible, I think, would be a great story in college football as well. So. Uh, at least two of us uh, are partying with the Jayhawks this week. Staying in the Big 12, where I, I tell you what, this backloaded conference schedule, this round robin that they play, does make for really good football down the stretch, at least a lot of good storylines. Baylor goes to Norman. OU is a three and a half point favorite. Saturday, 2 p.m. is when you can watch this game if you've paid your Walt Disney tax and have the ESPN plus bundle, because this is not on normal TV. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to go to the streaming site to find this ESPN plus is, uh, is where you'll have to, to find it. So boot it up on a tablet, on a phone, on your computer or, uh, or your smart TV, but it is not an over the airways, uh, broadcast, which I tell you what big 12 just put some random conference games behind paywalls to the detriment of their conference. And you wonder why Oklahoma and Texas are packing up their bags and leaving for the SEC. Um, Baylor just beat the hell out of Texas Tech last week. I don't think any of us saw that coming. The butt bowl was an absolute slaughter in favor of the Bears. I talked to some of the Baylor athletes actually this week, and they said that they really just they came together as a team. They decided they were going to go on the road. They were going to wreck Texas Tech's ship and wreck it they did. Um, OU, though, they look like they found some sort of juice again. To me, this feels like not a lot of defense is going to get played unless Dylan Gabriel's turning the football over. But I'm going to say Oklahoma outscores the Bears in some sort of high-scoring high shootout fashion. Give me Oklahoma by a full score, so I'll take them uh, minus the 3.5 over Baylor. That definitely wouldn't surprise me, but... This OU team just still scares the snot out of me. They were really bad against a really bad Iowa State team last week. Like, I know Iowa State has a good defense. Iowa State's played everybody in the conference tough, but Iowa State, you you are what your record says you are at this point. And Iowa State, without a phantom interception call and, (laughs) you know, just a couple other things that really didn't go their way, might have walked out of that game with a win last week. So I'm just not sold on Oklahoma. I'm still not sold on Baylor either, but they impressed me more recently with that schlacking of tech. So I'm just going to say that they keep it rolling. I think I'm going to take Baylor plus three and a half and just kind of hope that the good times keep rolling in Waco. Yeah, this is probably the hardest one for me to read this week. You know, OU is kind of coming back to life at the same time that Baylor seems to have found their spark. Um, I'm actually going to go with Trey on this one. Um, I'm going to get the Bears to get a stop or two more than the Sooners get and just an absolute slugfest. I think this thing will go back and forth, but I think that Baylor ends up getting one or two more stops, just coming together, playing a little bit better team game. So give me Baylor plus three and a half here. Uh, Again, really tough one to read. Not 100% sure, and it wouldn't shock me to see this one go either way. I did not foresee at any point during the season that my my flag alone would be planted on Sooner Mountain, but here here we are. What a uh, reversal from preseason. I was right. I, I picked OU to go to the playoff. Yeah. And I was really low on Baylor, but here we are. 
Here, here we are indeed. I think Dylan Gabriel at home, I think that helps. And and you said they looked bad against Iowa State. Their their offense looked bad. Their special teams was on fire, man. They almost got, defense I, looked looked totally fine. Yeah, yeah they they outscored Iowa State by themselves. So maybe 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 that's all they need to to be successful again. Uh, guys, let's go to the Sun Belt where we have championship implications on the line. Troy, five point favorites on the road in Louisiana. Boy, what a difference a year makes. You look at this spread last year, it's not even close to what it is this year. Louisiana was the runaway favorite on this side of the Sun Belt. This year, they're just four and four. Troy is six and two. They're first in the Sun Belt West. Just hasn't been the same situation uh, for the Raging Cajuns since Napier and a host of transfers left. Troy has the 16th best total defense. Now, their offense does struggle to score, but. The Raging Cajuns, middle of the pack in both metrics. So you've got a really good defense going on the road, a a team that has struggled at times to score the football in Louisiana, even though they're at home. This is Saturday, ESPN Plus, 4 p.m. local kick. Which way are you guys leaning? Yeah, Troy's the much better team on defense. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers here. They have 17.6 points per game against them, which is good for 18th in the country. So massive props to what they're doing there at Troy. They're just so bad on offense. They're the 106th scoring offense, 22.5 points per game. For me, this one actually kind of comes down to the number itself. The five points, if you just take five points off the average, they barely lose this game in terms of their points for points against. It's really too bad that Jared Diggy isn't any good. You know, we were hoping that maybe he'd be okay on his, you know, seventh or eighth stop or whatever it was. But, you know, I, I think this opens up some possibilities for Louisiana on the offensive side, uh, you know, to kind of show the ability. That they've shown some ability, at least, to put up some big numbers. It's not going to be a big number this week, but I think it's going to be big enough. Go ahead and give me the Cajuns plus five here. Yeah, it's a weird number. Five is a weird number, but... I think you're underselling that Troy defense a little bit there, Garrett. Their defense has been really, really good this year. And Louisiana, they've struggled in the post-Billy Napier era. I don't know when the last time a team lost to both Louisiana Monroe and Rice in the same year was, but your 2022 Raging Cajuns, ladies and gentlemen, that is a feat that they have accomplished. So I think Troy's pretty good. They're quietly a really nice story in the Sun Belt. They're probably going to get schlacked by whoever wins the Sun Belt East in that conference championship game, but nice little story. And they're riding a really solid defense. So I'm going to take them minus five, and I'm actually going to make them my Stone Cold Lock of the Week. Just for fun. I, we haven't made a Sun Belt team our Lock of the Week yet this year, I don't think. So we're going to roll with a Sun Belt team this week. That's true. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody had so far. You know, I, I, I forgot to. Well, I didn't forget. I put App State Coastal farther down our list because it was a Thursday night game. Let's go ahead and give the East some love too. We talked about the West. Let's talk about the East. I'm just going to lump it in. You get a bonus game this week. App State three point favorites on the road uh, at Coastal Carolina. This is a Thursday night game. So as you're listening to it. Uh, listening to our, our episode, hopefully it's coming up for you tonight. App State has had just a weird season. Up, down, sideways, turn it around. They've had the highest of highs. They've also had some questionable losses. Uh, Coastal cannot stop a nosebleed this season. So for that reason, give me App State minus the three 
on the road. I know it's going to be on the teal turf, but that coastal defense is bad, y'all. So give me the Mountaineers. Yeah, I, this is a fun rivalry game. These two teams don't like each other very much. Um, it's a newer rivalry with Coastal coming to the Sun Belt recently, but even dating back to when both programs were in the FCS, this was a really fun back-and-forth rivalry. But you're right, Mitch. I love Coastal. I love Grayson McCall. I love um, what they do on offense down there. It's so, so fun to watch, but they just cannot stop anybody this year. On the other side, I just don't know who App State is. It seems like they're kind of straightening some things out. They had a couple nice wins back-to-back weeks against Georgia State, and I think Robert Morris, they played their FCS game last week as well. So, listen, it's a weird situation for App State. They have had such highs and such lows this year, Um, but I I really don't know who to pick in this one. I I think the best unit on the field will be that coastal offense, but the worst unit will absolutely be their defense. So uh, I'll take the team that's giving me the points. I think this is a close one. So I'll take app state as well. Uh, Yeah. I'm going to go app state on this one. This one's actually a little surprising to me. I didn't believe it till I checked the numbers. App state scores more points than coastal does. They're the better scoring offense by almost five points, and that's good for 30 spots. It's 20th versus 50th, so maybe underselling the App State offense a little bit. Um, And then, yeah, just combine it with that pretty bad coastal defense. I think I'm going to roll with App State and not really look back on this one. App State has scored more points, but it's definitely come in spurts. Like, they've played two FCS teams this year where they've, you know, put up over 40 points. They had the 17 point outburst against AM, but that was followed up. That was, uh, you know, the week after they scored 61 on North Carolina. So, yeah. Yes, they have scored more points per game, but there's a lot of outliers on both sides. Yeah, they just, I think they just blew the doors off who vaunted Robert Morris from the Robert F- Morris. Yeah. yeah FCS. But they so. also played the Citadel this year. So, I don't know why they played multiple fcs games but who knows they also just beat the crap out of georgia state so like that's not necessarily a massive dub but they did beat them by a pretty good margin 42 17 so let's give them some credit these guys can score some points and they're pretty competent when it comes to what they do on the offensive side of the ball well appreciate you guys uh scrolling down the notes doc to accommodate that i just thought you know what let's keep the sunbelt featured games together (laughs) Uh, let's go back to the sec we've got liberty at arkansas now the the razorbacks (laughs) 13 and a half point favorite Saturday SEC network 3 p.m. Does this not feel weird to y'all? Liberty is, I, I know Arkansas is an SEC squad, extremely physical unit up front, both offensively and defensively. Uh, defensively, KJ Jefferson is healthy, but Liberty's red hot right now. I, 13 and a half is a lot to feel like I'm sleeping on the flames. I, I feel like. At the very least, we got a backdoor cover situation, right? Give me the flames. Yeah, this is another game that we had circled preseason just due to some expectations. And I think it's, again, just going to be somewhat overlooked this week. I think not a lot of people are going to focus on it when this looked like a game that could be a kind of a trap game for Arkansas in the middle of a huge run in the SEC West. And, you know, they got a three-game losing streak in there somewhere, and you can kind of kiss that season goodbye. That being said, I think Arkansas has... They've needed sort of a get-right game for a little while, and this feels like the game where they can finally shake some of the rust off and finish the season well. So go ahead and give me Arkansas, minus 13.5 here. They're going to get right. They're going to end this season on a high note. I think the path to a Liberty cover, and don't hear what I'm not saying, Joe and Longview, because Liberty has been very impressive this year. Um, And they looked really, really good against BYU last week. But 
I think the path to a Liberty cover is Arkansas kind of falling asleep at the wheel just a little bit and Liberty getting the backdoor cover. And I think that could be what happens. I'm going to back Liberty plus 13 and a half because it is a really big number. You tell me if they just keep it within two scores with garbage time. I think they can do that because Liberty is going to be running their offense this whole game. And I think there's a chance that Arkansas just kind of out physicals and out bullies Liberty. I think that chance is pretty high that they're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to get whatever they want on the ground. That's going to take up time. And I think that is a path to a Liberty backdoor cover at the very least. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I am. I think, you know, Liberty can score quickly too so you know they can also turn the ball over very quickly Jonathan Bennett loves to throw interceptions so he has a love of Dwight McLaughlin is licking his chops I think out uh out wide for for Arkansas so you know that's that's very very true but the backdoor cover we we might be playing a, a slamming screen screen door sound come uh come the recap episode final featured game of the week Texas Tech on the road at number eight TCU this game we have been highly anticipating since the offseason when the uh, cactus emojis went viral on Twitter with Red Raider Nation. Saturday, Fox, 11 a.m. is when you can watch this game. I, oh, I want to back Texas Tech here. I so badly want to back Texas Tech. They've been fun. They've been one of my darlings this year. And then they got blown out at home by Baylor and played all three of their starting quarterbacks this season. So for that reason, I'm out. I'm going to take TCU minus the nine and a half. They're mad. They're disrespected. They make a statement in Fort Worth this weekend. Yeah, I, I went back and forth on this line. It is a weird line. You know, I wrote down tech plus nine and a half, but I'm actually going to switch and go with you I guys. I see you live switching well. that in the notes. I am live <laughs> switching that because I thought about it some more, and you're right. I think the X factor in this game. Now, could tech come out and turn this into an absolute Wild West shootout? Absolutely. And there's a lot of intangibles in this game with TCU disrespecting tech throughout the offseason. You look at the cactus emoji and every tech fan you know's bio. Ask them what that means. It's a shot at Texas Tech or TCU. So they're really excited for this one. They've had it circled on the counter. They could absolutely turn this into just a bonkers shootout. But I think that TCU having the big noon kickoff, having all the hyped up, you know, intangibles on their side as well, where they're trying to prove that they belong in that top four. I think they get it done. I think they covered that nine and a half point spread. Yeah, no. I, so I started the show off. We're talking about how disrespected TCU was, how I was disgusted uh, with the college football playoff for not including them higher. If you're Texas Tech, how do you beat a better team on the road? You catch them off guard, right? Unfortunately for Tech, cactus emoji. It broke the offseason, right? And now TCU, they're focused. They want to win this game for some personal reasons, as well as just to keep the college football playoff hopes alive. I think this has all the makings for a route. It's a team that just got overlooked for the college football playoff. All they heard is you've been down in some games. You know, they, they got a little bit of disrespect in terms of maybe who they've played and not looking impressive enough. It is time for them to do that. They didn't even make the graphic, you know, despite being undefeated. They didn't even get on that top six graphic. They're about to give something the committee can look at and they're, they're going to give them something to pay attention to just down the road in Fort Worth. TCU minus nine and a half is my absolute unadulterated stone cold lock of the week. 
breaks my heart, my my Red Raider darling heart to to hear that. But I think it's I think it's true. I think it's right. TCU's playing for a lot more this season than Texas Tech is. It's at home. Uh, if Tech if Tech turns the ball over or has any sort of quarterback controversy in game, I mean TCU might win by twenty eight. It could be it could be over in a heartbeat. Um, so those are our main screen games. Let's go to the second screen here very quickly. We've also got some group of five games. Uh, guys, pick between Oregon State at Washington. The Huskies are four and a half point favorites. That's on Friday night, and then Florida State seven and a half point favorites on the road at Miami. That's a Saturday night affair. If you had to just watch one of them, which are you watching and why? That Oregon State-Washington game is going to be really, really interesting. You know, I kind of threw Florida State-Miami on here just because it's a classic rivalry. People care about that, but I don't think that's going to be much of a game. Florida State is, I think, going to do romp Miami. If I got a second lock, I would lock in Florida State minus 7.5. Washington... Four and a half point favorites at home. We've kind of forgotten about them a little bit, but they had the hot start. Kind of were the first ones to expose Michigan State. And, you know, they still have a lot of talent. Michael Penix is still up there slinging the ball around. So it's going to be a good test for the Beavs. I do think Oregon State not only covers this one, but wins it outright on a weird Friday night in Seattle. Oregon State's for real, man. If you haven't been paying attention, now that they have that little 23 next to their name in the college football playoff rankings, pay attention because the Beavers are playing for real. They're on a collision course with Oregon to maybe knock them off and cause a lot of drama in that Pac-12 race down the stretch. Yeah, I'm going to go, if I just had to watch one of these, I would immediately flip to Florida State Miami just to see how many dozens of Miami fans are going to show up for this one. Uh, you could see, I mean, north of several dozen, they, they, they're, they're going to show up for this one for sure. Rivalry games like that, they're always fun, right? It's both in-state programs for Florida, um, you know, obviously not including the Gators, but Florida State and Miami, those two big in-state programs. Miami not having the season they wanted to, obviously. I just kind of think it's going to be fun to watch Florida State just kind of walk all over them in their own stadium. I'm more watching to see if the stadium's empty by halftime or, or maybe see how many you know fans drive down from Tallahassee to make that one work. So be interesting to see. I think this one's got all the the, the makings of a route as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I'd want to watch that one just for the uh, the entertainment value. What what part of losing to Middle Tennessee State, Duke, and North Carolina so far don't you think Miami fans planned for? I mean, surely <laughs> they didn't inflate expectations and expect a first-year head coach to come in and turn things around, right? Like Crystal oh, Ball is the answer. Okay. Oh, wait. They, they did. And, and we kind of did, too, at least to a degree that they would be more successful in the conference. Uh, I think several of us had them going to the ACC championship game. That is a festivity that they will not partake in at the end of this season. Um, I love Oregon state as well. I think I'd take them plus the four and a half against Washington. And then yeah, Florida state minus seven and a half. Honestly, when I was doing our ledger picks uh, this morning, I was, that was the first game that I put down. I think Trey had given you Miami in that game. And then it was like, well, you know what? It feels too good to be true that if I truly think Florida State is going to beat them by 14 to 20, why isn't this line higher? And so I, I actually moved away from that game, but I am all aboard the Knowles train winning this game. Stick it to Miami. Uh, rain on your your uh, in-state rivals for another season and uh, hopefully, hopefully beat them on the recruiting trail as well. I'm, I'm kind of pulling for the Knowles there as well. Uh, group of five action. We talked about App State Coastal. Now, Trey... 
you, if there was one of us that was a part of the, the vaunted sickos committee, I think you would probably be the one that, uh, that would be the three tech pod representative. Would you like to, to explain to the, to the people, um, what the first group of five game is that we're going to cover here? Yes, I will. And yes, I was a follower of the sickos committee when they had about 3000 followers and now they're up over 150,000. So I would absolutely uh, consider myself a founding member of the sickos (laughs) committee. So our first group of five game is UMass at UConn. And not only is this a heated, heated rivalry, gentlemen, we're on UConn bowl watch. I don't know if you guys are aware, but UConn has is four and five. And this is their close. They have UMass this week. They get Liberty next week, and then they close at Army. So, if they can win two of three there, they are going to a bowl game this year. And I think they get by, I, I don't think they have a problem with UMass. They are 15 and a half point favorites as we currently look at this. But can they win one of Liberty or Army? I am fascinated to see if they can figure one of those out. Liberty after they played Arkansas. So maybe it's a little bit of a letdown spot. I don't know. Yeah, and one of the best graphics as well for that one, if you just look at the team logos, I'll let you fill in the blanks on that one. But uh, yeah, <laughs> UConn-UMS should be an interesting one to watch. That is uh, for adults' eyes only, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, UConn being nearly bowl eligible, the job that Jim Mora has done in year one there, all while living in a haunted house. I mean, gentlemen, that what a, what a, a remarkable <laughs> effort. I think Jim Mora deserves Coach of the Year nominations. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, we've got Air Force versus Army, the Commander-in-Chief Classic, Commander's Classic, I think is what it's called. Why is this game played in Arlington? Does anybody know? I think it has to do with Lockheed Martin being in uh, uh, Fort Worth, but I'm not sure. I th- it's also kind of like, ha- not really halfway, but it's like a neutral location. So, sure. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of military people in Texas as there well. So, sure. Salute the troops, always. Uh, Air Force minus seven. Uh, I think I'm on the flyboys here. Yeah, me too. Also, same. Uh, we've got UCF minus three and a half at Memphis. They beat Cincinnati last week. Congratulations, Trey. Uh, Cincinnati just criminally mismanaged that game. Turnovers, just a anemic offense late in that game Cincinnati had every chance to to win that game outright and they just did not do so uh UCF feels like they are cruising towards an AAC championship three and a half it's it's a smaller line than I would expect I know it's on the road against a Memphis team that's showed some promise showed some flash but at the same time UCF six and two Memphis four and four I think I like I think I like the space uh, the space troops here in this one. Give me UCF. Yeah, I'll take UCF as well. Memphis just searching for consistency. The three and a half point line was a little smaller than I expected, so that kind of gives me a little cause for pause. But yeah, I think UCF rolls in this one. Yeah, and UCF after getting ranked, I believe, getting in that first initial mm-hmm. college football playoff. So yep, a little momentum here, starting to starting to play a little bit better football towards this uh, back half of the season. Uh, excited for them. And uh, yeah, I think they're going to go ahead and take care of business here in Memphis. Uh, Houston at SMU minus three. Uh, I can't believe the ponies are favored in this game. I know it's, I know it's a home game in Dallas uh, Saturday night. It's on the NFL network, which is just funny to me. Um, 
Gotta get that scouting in. You gotta scout those G five guys, Mitch. Ev- evidently, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll go ahead and spoil my first ledger pick here. I'm on Houston plus the three. I thought Houston would be the favorite when this game came out. We were uh, thinking about going to it. Just none of us can make it with scheduling conflicts. But I would have thought Houston, despite some crazy, crazy up and downs in their season, SMU's defense cannot stop. I mean, a a gust of wind. So give me Houston. I think they come to Dallas, unfortunately beat SMU. I'm going to be rooting for SMU, but uh, Trey, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to wear SMU minus three this week. I'll gladly take SMU minus three because I think that being the home team is going to be the unequalizer in this one. I think SMU wins this game. So I'll take SMU minus three. Yeah, typically I would say that Fort Worth is greater than Dallas is greater than Houston, but not this week. I think Houston probably wins this game, so I think I'm going to side with Mitch on this one. I think it's a it's a good pick for the ledger. Uh, now, the last question that we wanted to ask in this, which team, uh, group of five team, is more likely to pull the upset? You've got James Madison at Louisville this week, which is also about to be a ledger pick, or Liberty at Arkansas. I... I think I'm leaning James Madison here. Louisville is a mixed bag. You never know what you're going to get when they step on the field. Arkansas, I feel like we know exactly who they are. It's just the questions around Arkansas have been sometimes their play calling and consistency on offense, but a lot of the time it's just been health. They're pretty healthy heading into this game against Liberty at home. So if there's going to be you know a headline-defining upset, I think it's going to be James Madison beating Louisville and maybe Scott Satterfield being fired if that happens. Garrett, what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm going to roll with James Madison here too. Uh, Again, not the biggest Louisville fan. Uh, Never really liked him. Don't know why anyone ever got that impression. (laughs) Never supported him. Just terrible program, terrible team. Don't like him at all. Bad colors, bad mascot all the way around. Uh, Wouldn't wouldn't recommend it. No, I think James Madison has a pretty good shot here. Um, I do think Liberty will have the better. I think Liberty's the better team, but I also think Arkansas is better by a bigger margin. And so, yeah, I, I think James Madison has a decent shot of knocking off Louisville here. You're darn right they do. Tease the ledger <laughs> pick, baby. Well, let's go ahead and move into the ledger picks. I spoiled my first one, taking Houston. Uh, did think long and hard about that one, but uh, ugh, I'm. I would love if SMU would go ahead and win this game. I just kind of have a bad feeling about it. Trey, you're on the ponies. Garrett, I'm going to give you UAB. UTSA is a one-point favorite heading on the road to Alabama-Birmingham. UAB is actually the better team on paper, but UTSA is playing for more this weekend. So I'm going to go ahead and say UTSA pulls it off on the road. Triangle of Toughness claims the throne for the second consecutive year in Conference USA. I got no problem with UAB. That feels good for me. Uh, I have no real issue taking them here. Uh, my two ledger picks, uh, Trey, you're going to be a Virginia fan this week. I'm taking UNC minus seven and a half against Virginia. We didn't actually mention this, but on the show doc for the recap, we wrote something about how Miami and Virginia and a couple of these other teams set football back about 30 years. Um, and, and Virginia, I don't think is getting past that this week against a team who we also mentioned in the last show. Might have a chance at an ACC championship spot, and and if they score enough points, Clemson being susceptible, they could be an outside dark horse possible playoff team. So, you know, UNC, they're, they're looking pretty good. They score a lot of points, 7.5 versus Virginia. No issue for me. Uh, Mitch, we're going to talk about the game we just went on the, or off the top. Tennessee plus 8. 
uh, versus Georgia. You get to be a Georgia fan there. I'm taking Tennessee plus eight against you just because I don't think that this game gets that out of hand. Uh, yeah, it might be weird to you know give Mitch one of the best teams in the country, but I'll also take one of the best teams in the country and okay. eight points. So, yeah, we'll make it spicy. We'll make it interesting. Come on, Brendan Thompson. Do something, buddy. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Uh, North Carolina's defense, still suspect. They're looking better, but a little suspect. So that's my cause for hope there. Um, all right, I'm going a little bit off the beaten path. I teased one of mine already, so I'll lead with that one. Mitch, I'm going to take James Madison plus 7.5 at Louisville. Look, this is going to be the Duke Super Bowl. They have a shot to come in in their first year in FBS and knock off a Power 5 team in their house. They're going to be up for this one. They don't get a bowl game this year, no matter how many wins they get. So this is their bowl game. This is their shot to take care of business and knock off a big team. So I'm going to play into the Super Bowl narrative. And also, I don't think Louisville is that good. So give me James Madison and Garrett against you going way off the beaten path. But I'm going to take Southern Miss minus two. Not as off the beaten path as I did last week, but uh, I'm going to take Southern Miss minus two at home against Georgia State. Southern Miss has looked good this year. Georgia State has not, and they are only two-point favorites. So I will take the Golden Eagles, and Hattiesburg will be rocking, hopefully. I would like to formally protest Georgia State, but I understand you get stuck with who you get stuck with. So I love uh, Southern Miss. I also looked at that game. Georgia State has had a chance to surprise teams when they least expected it. Uh, playing at home, Seems to be one of them in Atlanta that that seems to be a dangerous spot. If they're going to win a game, it's at home. But I kind of love Southern Miss minus two myself, especially with Frank Gore Jr. throwing passes out of the backfield. Hey, now. Multi-talented individual. Maybe he has a longer career than his dad. That'd be fun. Uh, guys, statistically impossible. <laughs> Frank Gore will be the leading rusher for forever and always. And he's in, still in the league. No, I'm just kidding. In, in this generation's uh, mind, for sure. Uh, guys, what a what a week ten preview! So much to talk about. I think last week a little bit of a sleeper as far as the actual games. This week should be anything but. We have the college football playoffs uh, and the rankings to talk about. Look forward to and react to as well. Reminder, we're on YouTube now, so please head on over there. Give us a follow. Uh, give us a like on the video if you're happening to watch it right now on YouTube. Uh, you can find us, three, The 3 Technique, on YouTube. And uh, Trey, uh, asking for you to smash the follow button. Uh, so uh, we, we, would, we would encourage any and all social interaction over there. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, so long, everybody. Woo!